Thanks for tuning in to today's Horsewoman podcast. Our show explores women in the horse industry as they share their dreams, challenges, successes. What drives these women? Well, let's find out. Good morning. I'm Rose Cushing, host of today's Horsewoman, and we're near Reedsville at Flint Rock Farm with Robin Bruckman. And Robin is an amazing woman. She has a bronze, silver, and gold medal in yes. dressage. Yes. And many, many other things that you'll learn about as we go along because I can't remember them all. But that's okay. <laughs> so, Robin, tell me a little bit about how you got into horses. Well, I've never not done horses. This is all I've ever done. I started riding when I was seven, and I learned to ride bareback without supervision and we just thought we knew everything because we didn't need saddles <laughs> and started lessons when I was 12 and I knew, I still knew everything and the punchline is since then I've learned a lot more and I know a lot less there you go <laughs> so it's a continuous learning process a you know, lifetime you never learn everything mm -hmm. and I've been very fortunate to have a lot of different experiences with my horses and in my life that have allowed me to have demonstrable success in a lot of different directions mm -hmm. and giving me a lot of joy every day gives me joy and that's sort of the punchline isn't it absolutely so when you took lessons when you were 12 mm -hmm. did you start right out showing oh I didn't know anything I didn't know anything I you know I had to learn how to post you know diagonals leads you know the whole nine yards I didn't know anything I didn't know anything I thought I knew everything because I'd read a couple books but I was clueless and I was a barn rat and we had a 4-H club and part of the 4-H club was I got to muck a stall every day for one hour of free riding every week. Nice. Well, it was great. I was happy to do it. Yeah. Rode my bike to the barn every day, mucked my stall and did my thing and smelled like horse shit and it was all fabulous. Absolutely. <laughs> There's nothing on earth like that. Yep. And how long was it before you got your first horse? I was 16 when I got my first horse. I was clueless, still clueless. Got an unbroke two-year-old. Bad, bad idea, bad idea, uh -huh. bad idea. You know, the young horse and the young kid, bad idea. My parents didn't know any better and they let me do it. And uh -huh. the horse killed herself. Oh no. Yeah, she ran out on the highway and got smacked by a Mack truck. And uh. that was bad. And then I got another horse that was totally unsuitable. I bought a race horse off the track who bucked me off before I bought her. And you know, when I tried her, and she, I said, oh, she has spirit. I love that. I want this one. And she bucked me off regularly mm -hmm. that thereafter. And she turned into a fabulous horse. But it was not an easy path. I learned a ton from her. And I did so many different things with her. I did hunters. I did jumpers. She was a great jumper. I did Western, I did Gymkhana, I vented her, I drove her, got two foals out of her. She would have learned to row a boat if I could have figured out how to teach her. That's amazing. She was a wonderful horse. Wow. And so I learned a lot from her. And in the process of when I took her to college with me, and when I got out of college, sort of circuitously, I became a working student and I spent five years as a working student and I had her with me. So she learned how to do flying changes and she learned how to do two tempies and pirouettes and I learned how to work in hand and taught her piaf. And I got to ride a lot of wonderful horses there. Mm -hmm. And the instructor taught in a very militaristic way, 
had me in tears almost every day. And I said to myself, Robin, there has to be a better way to teach. So I started looking for a better way to teach. And I came to Centered Writing, and lo and behold, that's a better way to teach. None of my students are in tears, ever. Mm -hmm. And everybody's delighted to come, everybody leaves happy, and, you know, I've had the classical dressage training for sure, um, but I've, I also have these other available venues, uh, available techniques that I can use to teach that have proven to be successful without having to demean people. Now tell us a little bit about the concept of centered riding so my, my listeners can understand. Okay, centered riding was developed by Sally Swift. Um, I started working with Sally in 1985, which was when she was just starting to put together her instructor program, and I took her instructor program. Centered riding was based on her experiences as a woman growing up with a severe scoliosis, she took a lot of Alexander lessons, which allowed her to be functional and successful. And the punchline of centered riding is there are four basics, um, soft eyes, breathing, centering, and building blocks. And it's all underlaid by a foundation of grounding. And in a centered riding clinic, we go through these four basics without the horse first. So a centered riding clinic starts with an hour or two in a room like this so that we're just us, no horses. And we start learning how our bodies work and figuring out how my body works and your body works and what are the sticky places and what are those asymmetries. So we can start figuring out our own patterns before we impose ourselves onto the horse who also has their own sticky places and asymmetries. Mm -hmm. And before we start accusing the horse of being resistant or bad or obstreperous or whatever, let's figure out what we bring to the equation mm -hmm. so that we can make it, you know, as copacetic as possible. Right. And centered riding is not about a particular discipline, although Sally's background was dressage. Centered riding applies to every discipline. So when I teach a clinic, I'll often have endurance riders, jumpers, hunters, dressage riders, trail riders, people from every discipline, western riders, gated horse riders, and it doesn't matter because it's not about the discipline-specific information. It's about the body-specific information. Hey, y'all. This is Lonnie from Mule City Specialty Feeds located in Benson, North Carolina. It's almost springtime. Is your horse blooming? Does your horse have a shiny coat and healthy hooves? How much extra time and money are you spending mixing supplements in the feed room? when you could be enjoying your horse in the arena or out on the trail. Then look no further. Mule City Specialty Feeds has a line of equine feeds that delivers maximum nutrition. From your performance horse to your weekend trail horse, our line of maximum nutrition equine feeds offers five different complete balanced formulas that will take you out of the feed room and into the saddle. In addition to equine feeds, we also offer complete feeds for your barnyard pets and livestock. For more details, visit our website at MuleCity.com, follow us on Facebook, or give us a call at 1-800-587-9229. And don't forget, Mule City delivers. So when I do a clinic, I have all different kinds of riders, all different disciplines, and it doesn't matter. 
And when, when we do the riding portion, it, it again, it doesn't matter. And they don't have to be grouped according to um, their discipline or anything because everybody's working on their own bodies during the clinic. And S Sally Swift helped me a lot. I rode with her at least once a year for 20 years. And she helped me with my horse, David, from the time he was four up through the time he was doing Grand Prix and beyond when I was doing the Bridalist Grand Prix exhibitions with him. And he's buried here on this farm. Um, but she helped me stay in tune with my body as my body had all these horrible changes um, with reflex sympathetic dystrophy and loss of my mobility and subsequent amputation. And it didn't matter because I had these tools and techniques to help me stay centered and balanced and go forward and continue to enjoy my horse. And that, that's unbelievably powerful. Absolutely. And the other powerful thing that has helped me on my journey is yoga. Mm -hmm. So I started, I did my teacher training, it's almost 20 years ago, which floors me that it was that long ago, but it's been a part of my life since college. And I've integrated that into my life, into my riding, into my teaching. And it's been so powerful for me. And that's really why I became a yoga teacher, selfishly, to help me understand my practice better. And I'm happy to share that with everybody. And with COVID, I couldn't teach in the studio anymore. So I was teaching out here under the oak trees. Nice. Um, from March until about October when it got too cold. And I said, oh, look, we have to you know, shut this down until spring. And somebody said, well, why don't you teach online? And I'm like, but, 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 okay. So I've been teaching online. Nice. And that's been working fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously I can't give any individual feedback, which I haven't since COVID anyway. You know, it's all been verbal, but at right. least I could see people and now I can't see them anymore, but I'm, it's still, people are finding value. And what I'm finding interesting is I'm reaching people all over the world mm -hmm. that instead of, you know, six or eight people here at Flint Rock, I'm reaching people far and wide and that's been really cool. Yeah. So that's been an interesting growth for me. It has been interesting how many people have found a way yeah. in spite of all of the restrictions yep. and all the issues, yep. you know, and, and our industry has grown in ways we never thought it would. Yeah. I mean, I haven't done any, rec I didn't do any recognized shows last year. Mm -hmm. I didn't judge. I lost a whole lot of shows judging. Um, I started judging again in July of last year. But a, a reduced schedule, mm -hmm. and I still don't know if I'm going to be competing at recognized shows this year. But the growth for me has been I started doing Western dressage at schooling shows. Right. So I can drive in, ride my horse, use my own water, use my own trailer. I don't have to interact, and I'm having a blast with my horse. That's wonderful. She went to the World Show last year. She won three classes at the World Show. Like I'm having a great time. That's awesome. So... It's okay. Yeah. I'm having fun. Absolutely. It is funny. I, I have been shut down with my expos, you know, mm -hmm. for 14, yeah, yeah. 15 months. 
But during that time, I've written a book. Mm-hmm. You know, I've developed the podcast, mm-hmm. and I've I've grown and kept going in odd ways too. Yeah. So it's worked out okay. It's worked out fine. Mm-hmm. And I've probably learned a lot of things that I had forgotten. Well, and you know, like with my RSD and the amputation, it, it was not a path that I chose, but I've learned a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been it's been growth. It's been productive in a way that I wouldn't wish on anybody. But I've I have been improved Mm -hmm. in a different way, in a different path. And so, okay, so it sucked. But also, these other wonderful things. I would never have done the bridalist stuff with David if I was still, because he was an active Grand Prix horse when I got hurt. Mm -hmm. And I would never have pursued the bridalist stuff. But competing was taken away from me. I, I could not. I was not permitted to compete for five years. Wow. And I'm like, I have this young, sound Grand Prix horse. The hell am I going to do? Oh, yeah. wait. So I was teaching a clinic in Georgia, and the owner was a team practitioner, and sh- she had neck ropes hanging in the tack room. I said, what are these for? And she said, I'll take one home. And I took it home, and lo and behold, I started fooling around with it. Never would have done that. Mm-hmm. And within a week, we were riding outside, walk, trot, canter, pee off. And within about six weeks, we did our first exhibition at Devon. That's awesome. And, you know, and that wouldn't have happened. That right. would not have happened. You know, I go teach clinics in Europe, and I show pictures of me doing this with David. And they're like, why are you doing that? Well, because it's fun, and it's available, and I can do it. Yeah. Yeah. And you can't do that. So there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. There's not much you can't do. Well, well. Because you're just an amazing person. Well, I mean, thank you so much. And you're, you're, very you're mentally strong. You know, you've got that fortitude to strong. keep going. Yeah. And that's, and yeah. during COVID, that's something we've all had to learn to develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell me a little about Western Dressage. Well, Western Dressage is not Western pleasure. The horses are much more forward. Western dressage was developed as a venue to take your working Western horse, so a reining horse, a cutting horse, a ranch horse, a working Western horse, and give it something else to do that's also interesting and fun. Mm -hmm. And for people like me, it satisfies your desire to be accurate and to develop the gates, and it gives you a way to compare yourself to others who are also playing the same game. Mm And so last year, when I wasn't competing at recognized dressage shows, well, my horse won two NCDCTA Horse of the Years at Western Dressage this year, last year. And she's on track to win one this year. And that was fun. And doing the world show was fun. And it's just been fun. Yeah. That seems to be a discipline that has grown, you know, pretty fast. It's grown pretty fast. Because anybody can do it. Anybody can do it with any horse. Mm-hmm. I mean, gated horses, mules, donkeys, Western horses, English horses, your Tennessee walking horse, any horse can do it. Right. And so it makes it super accessible. Mm-hmm. And here in North Carolina, we're really lucky because all of the NCDCTA schooling shows offer Western dressage. Oh, that's good. So we have some place to go. Mm-hmm. And here at Flint Rock, we've got a whole bunch of shows we can go to within two hours. That's nice. Yeah. Very nice. So last weekend we had a choice. We could go to TTC or we could go to Sport of Horses. And I took 
five horses to sportive horses. And Kristen, who came in here earlier, she took a bunch of horses over to TTC. And we've got all these venues that we can play with. That's awesome. Yeah. We can't be successful without your donations as our partners. Every event that Cushing Media Productions produce donates $1 from ticket sales to Cushing Equestrian Fund. Join us, Cushing Equestrian Fund, your trusted source in an emergency. Follow us on Facebook, and you can donate on our website, www.cushingmedia.net. The Western Dressage license became available. I jumped on the bandwagon, and they offered a grandfathering um, pro program which what the, one of the requirements was you had to be a large R or above dressage judge, which I'm an S, and you had to have already judged some Western dressage, which I had judged at a number of different shows, and I was able to document that. Um, and then you have to go through the judges program and do the testing and all that good stuff, but I didn't have to do the apprenticing that you have to go through now. Mm -hmm. So I was... Um, grandfathered into a large R Western dressage license, which allows me to judge all the levels. And I judged the world show in 2015. I judged the world Tennessee walking, flat shod world championships a couple years ago in Shelbyville. Nice. Um, and they're not affiliated with USEF at all because of the Tennessee walking horse mm -hmm. thing, even though these are flat shod they're still not affiliated, but it was really fun uh -huh. to do two days of Tennessee walking horses because yeah. we don't see them, certainly not two days worth. We yeah. see one, you know, maybe. Right. And I did the, the Morgan World Show and, a, you know, I've just done a, a whole lot of Arabian shows. Uh -huh. um, I did the Arabian Sport Horse Nationals last year and I did the Junior Nationals in 2019. And so I've done a whole lot of shows in Western dressage and I'm a very popular judge because I have these two licenses. So right. I'm really valuable for the breed shows. Definitely. You know, as a standalone show, the dressage people don't let Western dressage in, but the breed shows mm -hmm. combine them. Right. So the organizers like my license because it allows I'm useful. Mm -hmm. I can judge yes. all the classes. Definitely. And I enjoy that. That's awesome. Yeah, so it's lots of fun. And it's lots of fun as a competitor. Mm -hmm. And I'm actually likely to show at some Arab shows this year because they offer open open breed classes. Yeah. Which there aren't any standalone Western shows right. other than the world show. Okay. And gee, it might be fun. They have a big one in Lexington, Virginia. Mm -hmm. I can do it as a day trip. Yeah. Oh, it's three hours. Yeah. I can do that. That could be fun. Absolutely. And my mare is doing level three now, and that's fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Now, are you still involved with Paralympics? I Yes, I am. I am a selector, mm -hmm. and I've been a selector since Rio. So I... I get to watch all the competitors do all their rides, and now we're live streaming everything, so I didn't have to go to Wellington last week. Nice. Um, we're gonna have our um, final selection trial in June of this year in Tryon for Tokyo, mm -hmm. and I will go to that. I was at the national championship in October, which was also in Tryon, so it's nice that it's in Tryon, because I can drive. Yes. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm involved, but not as a writer. Mm -hmm. I'm involved as a selector. Did you ever compete as a rider? Oh yes, I competed in Sydney, I competed in Beijing, I did three world championships, uh, European championships, World Equestrian Games in 2010. Wow. Yeah, I've done some. Yeah, I thought I, won, I remembered that. Um, a gold medal and two, two gold medals and a bronze at the world championships in Denmark. Um, yeah. Gosh. I've done that. Wow. <laughs> now you've written two books. I've written two books. Mm -hmm. Tell me about them. Well, I'm in, I guess the first one was in 88, maybe. I wrote Dressage and a Side Saddle because mm -hmm. I was national side saddle champion also. Okay. Um, with David. And that, was, that book was the guide. And the, the, the focus of the book was to take you who already ride side saddle and teach you to ride dressage. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good basic dressage book. Right. Here's the arena. Here's where to find the letters. Here's where to find the circles. Here's how to write a test. Here's how to memorize a test. And it went through two editions because it's just been really popular. Mm -hmm. um, so the latest edition, I guess, was in 92. I haven't done a more recent one, which there hasn't been a call for it. There are other books out now. And then I wrote a biography of my Grand Prix horse, David, my first Grand Prix horse, called When Two or One. Mm -hmm. And that's also been very popular. I've been told it's a hateful book because people pick it up and they have to read it all. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I can't read that book because there's so much emotion in it. You know, I put so much into it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I did a documentary about the hurricane. And mm -hmm. when we finished it, I didn't ever want to see it again. Yeah. Because yeah. it's just, we cried yeah, there's so, so much, much doing the editing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that, I'm, I'm really glad that I did it. Right. But And writing it was, the hard part was typing fast enough because it just, the story wanted to be told and yeah. it just flew out of me. Mm -hmm. I, I, I know that feeling for sure. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything you haven't done? What's left on your bucket list? Well, let's see. I had racehorses. I had standard bred racehorses, so I've done a lot of driving. When I came here to Flint Rock in 1999, been here 22 years, mm -hmm. when I came here, on my bucket list was to ride a five-gated horse and to drive a four-in-hand. And I'd done thousands of miles of single, and I'd done a, fa a fair amount of tandem. Mm -hmm. I had never driven a pair, and I hadn't driven a four. And at the Christmas party, the first year I was here, I was talking to Jay, and I said, you know, I really want to drive a four. He said, you want to drive a four? <laughs> I said, yes, it's on my bucket list. He said, I'll hitch them up. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> so he hitched up a four-in-hand of Belgian mules. Wow. And I drove them nice. for about an hour. I had a ball. Yeah. And it was really eye-opening to me because I drove this one and that the, the near-wheeler, both leaders, and I was forgetting to drive the, the off-wheeler. Right. And it was like, well, that's interesting. And Jay sitting next to me said, well, you're really good with four lines. Well, I'm used to riding with a double bridle. Yes, I'm good with four lines. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I, I, I can't imagine how that would feel to see them all and feel them all working together. Well, it was interesting. I didn't know that I was not paying attention to this one. Yeah. And I was not paying attention to this one. And once I realized that, I paid attention to this one, and suddenly they were all together. 
And I also wanted to, drive, to ride a five-gated horse. Mm -hmm. And I did an exhibition at the Dix Dixie Classic Fair. Mm -hmm. And one of the other people was doing um, saddlebreds. Um, uh, Cash Lovell, mm -hmm. out of Advance, yeah. was offering a free 15-minute lesson. Okay, sign me up. Yeah. So I went over there and I rode a five-gated horse. Nice. And that was fun. Very nice. And I wanted to play polo, and that actually jumped off my list. I don't really want to play polo. What I would still like to do would be um, to go on a riding safari in Africa. Mm -hmm. I've been to Africa twice, and I'd like to do a riding safari. Right. That would be really fun. Now, you're quite a photographer. I always enjoy your pictures well, every you. day. So have you done anything with photography and horses? No, no. No, that requires much more sophisticated equipment. I'm doing those pictures with my phone. Because you do really, really well. You well, have such an you. eye for it. Well, I look for beauty every day. Mm -hmm. And lo and behold, there's a beautiful farm and there's beauty everywhere. It is a beautiful farm. It is a beautiful and farm. And every day your pictures make me smile. So I'm well, so good. happy that you share them. Well, good. Do you like my UFO? Yes, I did. It was over there. That is so wild. It was wild. I know. I mean, it, it was like quarter of six in the morning. Yeah. The first day of daylight savings time. So it's dark, dark, dark. Mm -hmm. Beautiful, clear sky. It wasn't fog. It wasn't mist. I know. You could tell it wasn't. Yeah. And it it, was there was no there. moon because it's a new moon. Mm -hmm. And it was like, holy Ned, what is that? Yeah. And I was bringing my horse in from the field. So I'm trying to video, and she's going, nudge, 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 nudge. And I'm like, will you please be quiet? Just be still here for a minute. Mm -hmm. Subscribe to the first podcast exclusively for horsewomen about horsewomen. Listen to successes, issues, dreams, plans, and all about our industry. Meet some of the most influential women in the horse industry. Everything from the grassroots to the women in the spotlight women just like you. Today's Horsewoman. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. New episodes every Tuesday. We look forward to spending time with you each week. And if you have a great story, let us know. This is a Cushing Media production. Keep riding, keep learning, and keep listening. My bucket list is pretty... I'm going to have to make more things on my bucket list. I've been out hunting with a falcon. I've scuba dived on the Great Barrier Reef and in the Indian Ocean. I've been on safari twice. Um, I mean, I've done a whole lot of cool things. Yeah. And a lot of these are opportunities that I've made. My, oh, I've done mounted archery. Mm -hmm. You know, I've, I've created a lot of opportunities. And I've also been really willing to do the day to day to day to day putting the time in day to day to create see my hat says amazing horses do not just happen mm -hmm. and so particularly with this horse i have no pressure to do anything external i didn't buy her for world equestrian games i didn't buy her for the next paralympics i bought her to have fun mm -hmm. and so there's no pressure i got nothing to prove to nobody so i'm able to just have fun and with the limitations of COVID, when I couldn't show, I've allowed her, first of all, we you know, reviewed the basics, which one always does. And then I've allowed her to explore things that are way above her pay grade, that if I was competing her, 
I would have to limit her to the things she's doing in competition this year. Mm -hmm. And because there's been no competition to go to for so long, you know, she's been working on her flying changes and she's been experimenting with different things and a more educated balance and playing with the Western dressage and, you know, going on trail rides off property and, you know, all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. She's done police horse training five times. Nice. Last year I took her down to Mobile, Alabama, and we did the police horse preparation for Mardi Gras, which included jets, uh, uh, helicopters, fire engines, marching bands, mm -hmm. explosions, in addition to the normal stuff that we do, which is walking over fire and, you know, all the obstacles and things. Right. So she's gotten to do a whole lot of non-dressage things, even though that's really her breeding and that's her destiny. She's gotten to do a lot of different things also. I, that would be amazing training. I can't even imagine all of the chaos of a festival, but then Mardi Gras is so wild and so unpredictable. Right. So, so the training is yeah. trying to replicate that. Yeah. Um, and there were 36 horses in the training, which our normal training is up to 15. Mm -hmm. So this was a lot more horses, and they came from all over the country. And I was the only civilian. It was open to civilians, but I was the only actual civilian. And as a civilian, I wasn't allowed to go on the streets. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to go on the streets. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, but I really enjoyed the training, and she learned a lot. And it was, you know, a good experience. Yeah. Plus, she got to play with a helicopter. I mean, how many horses get to play with a helicopter? Yeah, definitely. You know? Yeah. That was fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, one more question. Yes. For young women in the horse industry, how would you advise them, or what advice would you give them about how to leave their mark on this industry? You know, how to, to leave, make a name for themselves in a good way? Okay. Well, in the first place, you have to know what you're doing. And what that means, the punchline is, be a working student. Be a grunt. Mm -hmm. Be a grunt for a long time. Mm -hmm. Minimum a year. I did five years. And it could have been longer. And the grunt work allows you to watch your mentor take horses from here to there mm -hmm. in a day-to-day -day basis. So it's not glitzy. I mean, I have an equestrian degree. And, <coughs> well, see, I knew everything. Mm -hmm. But I, you know, I began to learn things and to, you know, I was given the opportunity <coughs> to ride horses that were way above my pay grade. Right. And I was given the opportunity to take my horse above her pay grade. And I was, you know, just shown how to run a business, uh -huh. how to run a farm. I mean, I know how to run a farm mm -hmm. and that's why I'm a boarder. Okay. Because... I was spending all this time doing the run a farm part. It'd be nine o'clock at night. I haven't looked at my horse yet. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's part of the learning process. But I said, Robin, your business needs to be structured so that my horse comes first. Mm -hmm. Cause that's why I got into this business yeah. was so I could ride. I'm happy to share my knowledge to other people. And the other thing is I've been a continual learner. Mm -hmm. You know, I got my first judge's license in 1982, so, you know, pushing 40 years and continuing education and continuing to practice and continuing to apprentice, and I still scribe, 
-hmm. And, you know, I'm still out there learning stuff. And there's so many opportunities to learn before you're ready to hang out your shingle and say, I can give back. First, you have to absorb into your cells knowledge that's real and knowledge that's helpful and find a system that works for you. I have a system that can demonstrably bring horses and riders up the levels with great success and with joy. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I got the only system because certainly I don't. I do, however, have some Kool-Aid that will get you up the levels in a good way. Right. And I, you know, my students are very loyal. I have students that have been with me for 25 years mm -hmm. and I am thrilled to take them on. And my Kool-Aid isn't for everybody because it requires that you invest time mm -hmm. and that you're not in a hurry. I'm not in a hurry. I'm way not in a hurry. And because I'm not in a hurry, from the outside, it looks like my horses go zoom, zoom, zoom because I'm never in a hurry. Right. Never in a hurry. Because if you do go zoom, 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 then the horses are like, ah! Yeah. And, and they don't go farther because they, ah, they're panicky. And I, my horses all think, come on, will you come on, come on, let's do something now. And so I tell them, you know, today is, it's the same, it's the same, it's the same, it's just a little different. Mm -hmm. So every day is just a little different, but it's just a little different, it's just a little different. Right. But every day, it's just a little different. Right. And that's how I make long-term progress. Right. You know, I've made three Grand Prix horses, I've made a dozen FEI horses and other than David who's dead my other Grand Prix horses are still out there kicking and teaching other people mm -hmm. and they're all happy and sound. Such a good point you know you bring out about being a student for a minimum of a year because when you're training a horse and you're watching somebody train the horse or it's your horse you know that doesn't happen in 90 days. Does it not. I mean and you can't possibly absorb enough to do it yourself until you've seen the whole process. Yeah, and I think a year is really too short. I, did, I, I, I mean, really, it makes you sense. You know, I watch people in a college program, which is four years, that's not enough time. Right. Right. You know, and four years in a working student position could be enough. Four years in a college program when you're working, you know, yep. three classes a week is not enough. Right. Because it's it has not your to main be, focus. It has to be Mm -hmm. I mean, when I was a working student, I was on call 24-7. I lived on the property. Mm -hmm. I worked from the beginning of the day to the end of the day. I worked every day. Mm -hmm. I worked every horse, you know, plus I'm mucking 20 stalls, plus I'm feeding, turning out, bringing in, changing blankets, working the fields, mm -hmm. and working six horses and teaching five lessons. Yeah. You have to eat, sleep, and breathe it. Yep. I had the opportunity. I was lunged every day for a year. Mm -hmm. You know, I've had all of these... I say opportunities, but I went out and looked for that. Yes. And I made it happen. And I was willing to work for basically 25 cents an hour, yeah. you know, slave labor um, for this knowledge. Mm -hmm. I have paid dearly for this knowledge. Yeah. And as a result, it's very permanent knowledge. And I can speak from experience. You know, I've been a professional since, I've been teaching lessons since I was 14. and. I've been a professional all my life. Mm -hmm. I've never had a real job. Right. This is all I've ever done. And lo and behold, here I am, pretty successful. Yeah. You know, and I'm working as hard as I want to. 
I have as many students as I'm interested in. I, you know, if I could take another student, but I don't need to mm -hmm. because my business model has low overhead and my, I'm, I'm selling my time, mm -hmm. you know, but I'm not giving my time away. Mm -hmm. I'm not having to run a farm. Right. And so I can give you the time, Rose, that, that you want mm -hmm. here because my outside obligations permit me that time. Right. Right. You've done an amazing job with your career and your life, and I, I look forward to see what's next. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with me My this pleasure. morning. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Our souls wander in similar places. Even though we may not know each other, we touch the same wind, we walk under the same sky, and our hearts wander in the same dreams. We are one, women just like you and me. Thank you for listening.